This week on episode 512 of Priority One, Paramount Plus announces the main cast for Star Trek Prodigy. Rebecca Romaine shares some news about Strange New Worlds. McMahon teases Lower Decks Season 2. Star Trek Online offered players a new promotional pack to purchase. And Fleet Command continues its next generation journey. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 512 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, June 15th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June 18th at Priority One Podcast. Com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. I hope you guys had a good week off last week. Uh, thank you all for bearing with us as it was a, we went dark last week. We all needed uh, a bit of a break, mental health break, uh, just a general health break, just a, a time to relax for a moment. So thanks for tuning in this week and returning for your weekly roundup of news. Did you guys have a good week? Yes. Yeah, had a fantastic week. Uh, I had some so many decisions to make when it comes to the latest MUDs giant conglomeration of uh, purchasing packs. Oh, there's a lot of scenarios I had to run through. There's an emotional roller coaster, man. We'll cover it later, but oh, yeah, okay. We, I got there in the end, but oh man, it was it was a really interesting choice. Good, good. And Kat, moving is settling down. I see you have a great new background there. Yeah, moving settled down. I um, had a great week. I had so many social engagements. I went out three nights in a row. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I did that. Um, but it's so cool to see my friends. So I love it. Absolutely. I watched In the Heights and I highly recommend that you all do so as well. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect film, but it is way better than the staged production. I think that the changes that John Chu instituted were fantastic. And I felt like I was watching a slice of my life growing up in West New York. So uh, yeah, check that out. That's over on uh, HBO Max or in theaters and uh, support your theaters, local and professional. Now, Elio, as you mentioned, this is, we're being recorded on Tuesday, June 15th, but I'm in Australia. So the time difference means that it is June 16th. So happy Captain Picard Day. Ah, happy Captain Picard Day, everybody. Happy Captain Picard Day in Australia already. How are you going to celebrate, Roscoe? T. Earl Grey hot. Nice, nice, nice. How about you, Kat? How do you think you'll celebrate tomorrow? I might watch uh, that episode or watch my favorite uh, Picard episodes. I have a list. Yeah, yeah. So do I. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do that. All right. Well, you guys out there tell us what you're going to do for Captain Picard Day. That's a good point. Let us know for next week what you did to celebrate Captain Picard Day. We want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. You see, this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and talents because, like you, they're passionate about what Star Trek is all about. So we ask you to get involved. 
Just two weeks ago, I got an email from a professor, a literary professor, who wanted to contribute to the show by offering uh, unique perspectives and analysis of classic Star Trek episodes. You heard last week in our last episode, Dr. Michael Chen uh, offering his interpretation of Chain of Command. So we are excited to have him on board. He'll be joining us on our next episode of After Hours for our patrons. So we're always looking for ways to improve the show in one way, shape, or form. Whether you have experience in audio editing, graphic design, web design, whether you've worked in podcasting and think you have something to contribute as well to the production of the show, we are eager to include the community. So be sure to reach out to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And if you can't contribute time, then perhaps you have some extra dollars you're willing to spare and help support us financially by joining our Patreon family over at Patreon.com forward slash Priority. No matter what, our corner of this community is always eager to include more members and share in the passion we all have for Star Trek. So visit us at PriorityOnePodcast.com and learn about all the ways you can help shape our little corner of the Star Trek multiverse. Whether by joining the team, becoming a patron, or being a part of the conversation by joining our communities, like the ones we have on social media for games via the Priority One Armada. Now let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Viacom CBS continues to try and lure more subscribers by offering up new pricing tiers and teasing a slate of new content coming out over the summer. First up, let's talk about the new low-cost option for U.S. subscribers starting at $4.99. This essential plan is ad-supported, includes some sports and on-demand options. However, it will no longer include local live television station programming. Keep in mind, if you already have the limited commercial plan, you won't lose any features. However, that plan will no longer be offered to new subscribers. The premium plan will cost U.S. subscribers $9.99 a month and is commercial-free with on-demand entertainment, including 4K titles, more sports, and live streaming of local stations. So, you know, I just read an article on ReviewGeek.com by Josh Hendrickson, and the whole point of the article was trying to identify whether or not Paramount Plus is worth it, right? Is it worth adding Paramount Plus to an already saturated market of streaming services? I mean, let's face it, every week there's a new one. So now, Josh Hendrickson in the article admits that he's a big Star Trek fan and that one of the big reasons that he subscribed to it was to watch Star Trek. But it's a very lengthy and detailed article. He doesn't just talk about Star Trek. He talks about the films. He talks about the shows that are available. And more specifically, he talks about the shows that aren't available or that are already available in other streaming services like Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime. So, for example, you can't watch... The Big Bang Theory on Paramount Plus in the United States, you have to watch it on HBO Max, right? You can watch Young Sheldon, but you can't watch The Big Bang Theory. That's, you know, one example. Same thing happens with films where a Paramount title is a better Paramount title, arguably better, is already on another service 
and not on Paramount Plus. Or I would even go so far as to say presented better with better user interface and, and accessibility features than even Paramount Plus has to offer. So aside from Star Trek, which is always front and center, maybe not always, but a majority of the time, front and center in their marketing campaign for Paramount Plus, I got to say it's hard to rationalize why anybody would sign up for Paramount Plus right now. I just watched that uh, Infinity movie with Mark Wahlberg. In my opinion, that movie was terrible. I wanted, I wanted my time back. It was, it was entertaining. Like it was like an okay popcorn flick, but it, 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 it ain't no John Wick. It wasn't any, it wasn't a nobody. I don't know if you've seen that new film with Bob Odenkirk, nobody, which was amazing. And so if this is the kind of content we're going to be seeing on a weekly basis, because that's their goal, right? Is to produce a show, uh, a movie or a show every month or, or, or whatnot. I can't rationalize paying for Paramount Plus. I can't. Well, just the user interface alone is the, one of the main reasons why it's so frustrating. Uh, because, you know, you can't pick up where you left off. You can't, you know, it's it's very frustrating. And the Star Trek movies are not on there right now. And what is up with that? Because I wanted to watch the movies and they're not there. So why even have it? <laughs> because if you, it's not going to give you all the Star Trek. And Roscoe, I presume that this is a much different experience for you. Mm. Yeah, it is. In Australia, Paramount Plus is expected to roll out in August of this year, and it will take the place and absorb into it the existing all-access streaming platform. So in Australia, that's known as 10 all-access because Channel 10, Network 10, is owned by Viacom CBS. So 10 had its own streaming service that then evolved into 10 all-access, which will then evolve likely into Paramount Plus. So it's interesting to see the differences in the plan structures. Uh, Australia tends to have a lower cost of streaming services, mostly due to the levels of piracy that occur in Australia. Australian viewers uh, pirate television programs and films at a very high rate comparative to the rest of the world. And mostly that is due to syndication deals and and things not being available in the market. But yeah, it's mostly due to syndication and platforms not making particular programs available to Australian markets. So if people want it, Game of Thrones was the perfect example. That was uh, on a pay TV provider, uh, a cable TV provider in Australia, and it wasn't overly available because pay TV and, and cable TV in Australia is not has not done traditionally very well. So watching how Paramount Plus rolls this out. It's a, it's a, I'm watching for things to come in Australia. Star Trek will be my point of difference to if I do end up subscribing to Paramount Plus. But at the moment, because of the international deals, I can watch all previous Star Trek TV series from Discovery going backwards. That's currently on Netflix. Lower Decks and Picard are on Amazon Prime in Australia so, and, and other international markets as well. So, yeah, it's probably going to take a while. I'm sure it's already in the works, but to rein in that IP to make it available internationally. Well, while we're on the topic of international streaming services, our friends in Canada might be excited to learn that Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Prodigy are coming to CTV. There are no release dates that have been announced. And 
and you can safely bet it'll land behind Paramount Plus and then be released elsewhere a day or so later. So, hooray for our Canadian friends up north. Good for them. That's exciting. It's so crazy, too, because aren't they filming all those shows in Canada and they can't even watch them? (laughs) Right. You have to sneak on set to watch them. You know, lastly, the other thing about Paramount Plus is that not even the new Trek is in 4k you know and and it's almost weird to me to see a show now that isn't 4k like a new series that's on television or one of the streaming services that isn't already streaming in 4k and i get that there are that 4k is a you know big resource hog and very large data transfers but of all the shows you'd think star trek would be on the top of their list to make sure it goes out in 4k given how intense and how amazing some of the cgi is on monday june 14 viacom cbs dropped the cast list for star trek prodigy the first animated show specifically geared towards children no the animated series wasn't written for kids we've explored that in our patreon exclusive podcast after hours the six main voices joining Kate Mulgrew have been announced, including Jason Manzukas, who you might recognize from shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The League, and as the voice of the foul mouth Rex Splode on the Amazon animated series Invincible. Variety also shared the details about the characters, including some species names, character backgrounds, and some first look images. So I, you know, this this looks fun. You know, the, the animation looks to be very kind of high quality, nice detail. The lighting looked really good. The little backgrounds that we got on each character was nice and helpful. Uh, interesting that there's a Tellarite involved, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Jason Manzuka's character. It's interesting that there's a Tellarite there, right? Because they're in the... They're in gam- the Delta Quadrant. Delta, Delta Quadrant, right. Delta Quadrant. So if there's one thing that 10 years of podcasting is has taught finally taught me, is to just keep my damn mouth shut until I actually see it. And then even then, I'm just going to keep my my mouth shut because I, <laughs> you know what, what, what can we gain from this i mean seriously though what can we gain from these images the, some of these actors are a little more established than others but even then that doesn't dictate you know what their performances are going to be like uh in an animated setting you know we know we have the general broad strokes of what this first episode is going to be about and how Catherine Janeway is going to be involved or a hologram a facsimile of her so yeah I mean it, you know the animation looks nice the art looks nice and detailed and kind of beautiful the lighting and colors you know hopefully it'll do something well in teaching kids the foundational theories that and philosophies that Gene Roddenberry was trying to instill I hope that's what it does yeah looking at the voice cast I'm excited to see D. Bradley Baker included because after watching a few episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch, that man is a treasure and an amazing voice artist because he is vocalizing and performing five different characters and they are the is main characters. Is he the voice for all the Bad Batch guys? I wondered who that was because he's fantastic. He's the voice of the clone troopers and has been through the Clone Wars the whole way through Star Wars Rebels the works so he is a treasure and absolutely amazing but they will they will hit, hit the jackpot if over the course of the first season they include people like Tara Strong Maurice LaMarche Billy West then then I know the the voiceover pedigree is up there Rob Paulson he's another one of my favourites I love voiceover artists it's something that I've always wanted to aspire to do but n- never quite could get there and so I'm, I'm in awe 
of these people and their wonderful talents. It's amazing. So yeah, D. Bradley Baker, cannot wait to see what he can do. Well, we asked you, our listeners, what your thoughts were on social media when the announcement was made. We heard back from Twitter listener Captain BG2301, who says, I'm extremely excited to see what D. Bradley Baker does with his character. He is very talented. So Roscoe, it appears that Captain BG agrees with you. Wonderful. In a recent interview with Looper.com, Rebecca Romaine confirms what we have long suspected regarding the format and episodic nature of Strange New Worlds. She said, quote, It's keeping with the original series. They're standalone episodes. It's a little bit lighter. We are visiting planets. We are visiting colonies. And we are so proud of our work so far. End quote. The show will cover 10 years of missions on the Enterprise with Captain Pike before Kirk takes the helm. Romaine plays First Officer Number 1, originally played by Majel Barrett. Now, no release dates have yet been announced for Strange New Worlds, other than it's expected sometime in 2022. But it appears that filming may be coming to a close. Romaine told Looper she was able to catch a break in filming the seventh episode out of the ten for Strange New Worlds in order to promote her new film, the safari thriller Endangered Species. Safari thriller? That must be some new genre of film. Where the lions get you. Oh, like that and Michael the hyenas <laughs> and the tarantulas they get you too so that's a whole other movie <laughs> well bringing it back to star trek <laughs> what i found interesting was the it'll follow the 10-year missions of me too that's why i put that i was like 10 years i thought it was a five-year mission but 10 seasons in a movie yeah 10 seasons well, in a movie well now you see now i'm a little <laughs> now i'm a little scared right if they are doing only 10 episodes does that mean that every episode is a different year or because i can't i can't imagine that they're going to be like all right we're going to do 10 seasons of this uh, 100 episodes 100 years morty 100 years 100 episodes of strange new worlds 100 aliens and colonies and, and 100 times I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, well, I didn't realize that Pike was captain of the Enterprise for 10 years before Kirk took over. So that's new. I thought that was just like a five-year thing. but Well, that's two uh, five-year missions. I mean, they probably have to do it like that because we know what happens to Pike, right? Which is not the most uplifting story ever. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I just don't. I hope that it's not going to be a one episode, one year equals one year. You know, like. That, they're, that each episode is a year apart in the in the timeline. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they would sell themselves short. They would want to leave enough room so that if and when this show is a hit, it's going to be a hit. They've got the room to expand the story as much as they would like. But they're also limiting it to say, we've got 10 years to work with here. We need to set up and figure out how Spock becomes the man that he does. And also how we have the Christopher Pike Medal of Honor named after the good captain. So he's often given as an example of what Starfleet is all about. He is the gold standard. So let's let's play with that and let's take 10 years to draw that out. I'm good with that. That is fine. 100 more years. That's great. It's the question that can foster debate, cause rifts in friendships, or spark outrage on social media. What's your favorite episode of Star Trek? 
Mike McMahon, the creator of Lower Decks, was asked exactly this by the folks at IGN. And thanks to his breadth of knowledge, he had an answer for each series while also throwing out some teasers for Lower Decks Season 2. McMahon spoke about the structure of Star Trek and the nature of standalone episodes. They add to the depth of the characters, but not in a way that the audience needs a refresh at the start of each new episode. What that means for Season 2 of Lower Decks is we have the setup of the first 10 episodes. So where to from here. Quote, these last three episodes created this crescendo of, look, this is what the show is. Let's go. And we keep that up. How does Mariner feel about Boimler taking off? How is Boimler doing on the Titan? So we're still doing standalone, still episodes that feel episodic, but the characters don't forget. We haven't forgotten what we've said in season one, end quote. And for the full list of McMahon's favorite episodes, check out our show notes. Mike is out on the promo trail because he's selling season one on DVD and that's what he's out uh, promoting at the moment. I like the fact that they're continuing to be standalone episodes and building up to the crescendo of season one where it all came through in that finale which is excellent. I just enjoyed that so much and after the build up of building up these characters I can't wait for season two but he's still very good at not giving away any details whatsoever so it's like he served himself an NDA just to go hey dude don't say anything but say something but don't say anything and and that's unfortunately what we're getting at the moment when we're all hungry for details about season two of Lower Decks and when we can expect it too there's not a lot of details there. So I, I, I just keep crossing my fingers and want to see more of the uh, Titan on screen because I love that ship. It's wonderful. What do you think, Kat? Oh, man. He is, he's got this formula for Lower Decks down oh, so well. I mean, I love the, the B, C plot, you know, formula that he's doing, you know, with the Lower Deckers and um, yeah, I'm so excited for the next season. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. What are the bills you'd want to see paid in Lower Decks and Picard for Season 2? And by bills, we mean questions answered, situations remedied. Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post in our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now here's a few headlines that we didn't discuss but might interest you. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. GoldDerbies.com Rob Lasuria sat down with Star Trek Discovery's visual effects supervisor Jason Zimmerman to discuss the process behind building a new universe in the Star Trek multiverse, specifically after jumping into the future in Discovery Season 3. Lacuria also chatted with Glenn Hetrick about Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery on June 9th. In a recent episode of the official Star Trek podcast, The Pod Directive, Tawny and Paul chat with Alex Kurtzman to discuss the importance of Trek, the production process, and storytelling in the Star Trek universe, and how desperate he is to produce a musical story. We'll be deconstructing the interview in our Patreon exclusive show After Hours this week. You better believe we are because he said a lot of things that really ground my gears. Oh, he did. Well, Uh I was going to say you didn't appreciate his homage to Once More with Feeling about the musical episode. Sure, sure. Go ahead and name drop a bunch of geeky things that everybody loves. That doesn't mean he's going to do it right if he did or if he tried to do it. (laughs) 
you know, just because he just because he knows these things doesn't necessarily give him street cred as a creative creator, right? So that's that. We'll, yeah, we'll discuss. The only thing I liked that, well, among the other things, the one thing I did like of what he said was that he would follow Mike McMahon wherever he wanted to go, and he'll let him do whatever he wants. So keep doing that, Kurtzman. Uh, don't Thank do you. that, Kurtzman. Don't do that. That is excellent. <laughs> Now remember, Captains, to learn more about these headlines, be sure to review our show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com. This just in to the Priority One Newsroom. Well, Captains, we hope you had a happy Captain Picard Day, especially if you celebrated with everyone's favourite Enterprise D Captain, because the good folks at Paramount Plus dropped a second teaser trailer for Picard Season 2, and the tagline is, Time has been broken. We open on Chateau Picard, and we hear the voice of Jean-Luc calling for Laris, his Romulan roommate, housekeeper, bodyguard, only to find an empty home. Then comes the disembodied voice of Q. Then soon after, the bodied voice of Q. Cut to a Federation conference room with Admiral Picard at the lectern. We see flags for the Federation, Starfleet, the Academy, Bajor, the Klingon Empire, the Ferengi Alliance, Vulcan, and I'm guessing Andor? The voice of Q talks about the end of the road not taken, as we cut to shots of the supporting cast with a female voice declaring, time has been broken. Is that Commodore O, maybe? I don't know. Rios is aboard La Sirena and is shocked to see a Starfleet Delta on his lapel, but not the one we're familiar with. Is that the hilt of a mirror universe sword? Then, Seven of Nine alarm goes off on her nightstand and she abruptly wakes up to find herself in a lovely apartment. The camera pans down to an insignia badge we've not seen before, but it feels familiar. Seven takes a good look in the mirror, or should I say Annika? No Borg implant? No problem. And is that a wedding ring? So many questions! So let's speculate wildly! Oh my goodness, John Delancey is a fine, strapping man. His look in this is fantastic. It sort of echoes and parallels Picard just that little bit like he always does. They've maintained that and it looks fantastic. Kat, what did you think? I agree a thousand percent. Wow, what a snazzy dresser Q turned out to be. Um, because I love the jacket. Man, does, yeah, John Delancey looks fantastic. So I thought the trailer was very interesting. And I thought I saw uh, maybe Elnor and Rafi running in a, you know, down the street and you could kind of see a body laying on the ground behind them. So I feel like this is a parallel yesterday's Enterprise kind of season we're about to face. I agree wholeheartedly that that was a snazzy jacket he was wearing. It reminded me of like revolutionary France where kind of like I, I immediately thought if I ever play Javert from Les Mis anytime again, I'd, I'd wear that outfit. I want, I want that. I want that suit. But, you know, it's a trailer. And I think that they try to inject as many Easter eggs as possible because I think they all knew that every Trekkie out there was going to go frame by frame and analyzing everything from corner to corner of their screens. And it looks like we're going to have everybody come back for the most part. Right. We, we yeah, that was Rafi and that was uh we saw Soji with her new Soji. loose fancy hairdo. We saw Allison Pill returning. Rios, yep. Mm-hmm. And Rios, of course. So, yeah, it's 
were clearly going to be taken on some kind of timey-wimey adventure. Uh, Where I originally thought that we were going to end up going back in time, I I still think we're probably going to end up going back in time, right? Because we saw the images of uh, of them on a transit bus. Appears that this is also a mirror universe, like you were mentioning. It it also appears to be a mirror universe kind of experience for them all. And, I mean, Q sets it up, right? He says that this is the end of the road not traveled or something like that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I am... Cautiously optimistic. You know what's interesting too? Uh, the road not traveled. So I fe- did. You ever see that Doctor Who episode? Turn left. Yes. About the choices you did, you never make, and that if you just that one day made a different choice, how different your life would be. Mm-hmm. That's where I feel like this is not necessarily mirror universe, but sideways. So wait, are we going back to the tapestry timeline? Are we going to have to? Is Picard going to have to get his way out of being a lowly ensign science officer now? Are, are we going back to that? Well, we don't know, but it was far enough back that Annika doesn't wasn't ever assimilated by the Borg, right? Maybe. Cat, I think you struck upon it. You mentioned the episode yesterday's Enterprise because that's an entirely separate timeline that was around for one episode, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's not the mirror universe. So we don't have to delve into that. It's an entirely untouched resource, as it were. So it could be that this is the universe of yesterday's Enterprise. And it would make sense why they would bring Guinan back. Oh, yeah. She's the one who detected the chain. Somehow Captain Picard survived the the battle with the Klingons to get the Enterprise C through the rift and... This is the world that we have after that. So that's entirely possible. I bet you he doesn't survive, and that's why the the rest of the crew... Uh, clearly, they realize what's happening, right? They look down. Rios looks down on his on the comm badge, and it's different. The, the ship is different. The interior, at least. Annika realizes that she doesn't have the implant. So apparently, I mean, from, from, the, from the trailer, they're aware. They are aware that they're on a different timeline. Things have changed. So I would bet that something does happen to Picard and the adventure is for Seven of Nine and Rafi and Elnor and the whole gang are going to be the ones that have to go save him. Now, I find that insignia that was in Seven's apartment interesting. There's a couple of elements to it because there's a little bit of shades of the Andorian insignia in the moon. And then the starburst looks very familiar to the starburst that we would see on a Starfleet Command Delta. It's it's reminiscent of that. So that's why, to me, it feels a little bit familiar. So I'm not sure what it represents, but I am very excited to find out. What else did you guys spot? Now, I forget here a second, because Annika, Annika's parents, are, do they follow the Borg Cube? They're not in the Delta Quadrant, right? They're not following in the Delta Quadrant, are they? They follow in the Alpha Quadrant, in the Raven, and then they get sucked into a transwarp conduit behind uh, the Cube. They sort of tail them and ride the slipstream, and all of a sudden they're in the Delta Quadrant. So I wonder if that insignia is Delta Quadrant related and not... Because if they survive, oh. you would Maybe think she that lives in the Delta she lives quadrant. on in the Delta Quadrant, right? Oh. Ooh. That's Good the best point. idea I've ever had on this show in 10 years. I quit. That's, <laughs> That's great. Take that to the writer's room. 
Like she grew up on the Raven instead, like with her parents. Right, right. And as far as Easter eggs go, I mean, you know, like I said, I think it's it's going to take people quite a while to, or at least a day, to uh, go through frame by frame. Um, I mean, oh no, someone already did. Yeah, pet. You're welcome. <laughs> and so, you know, the, uh, people are going to be analyzing the flags that are represented in that that uh, podium scene where he's up in front talking in front of what seems like some kind of Starfleet Council. Oh yeah, and his uniform in that scene. I mean, that's is it's a slightly different uniform right mm-hmm. yeah it's a yeah yeah it's a slightly different uniform it's a little bit a little bit odyssey it's a little bit uh season one picard's admiral uniform but just less angular i don't know guys i again i'm cautiously optimistic i'm looking forward to this i'm i'm hoping that i'm going to enjoy season two but as fun as the ideas we're thinking of now might sound i gotta take it with a grain of salt man i gotta take it with a grain of salt and i'm, I'm going in with lower with low expectations I'm going to throw two names out there. One is a character name. One is an actor name. And if either of these these things turn up, these people turn up in the next season of Picard, then I will be tickled pink because I saw the Ferengi flag, the Ferengi alliance, Grand Nagus Rom. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be very, very nice. Let's let's see Grand Nagus Rom turn up at these talks. That'd be amazing. And just in some other capacity, Jeffrey Combs. Let's get Combs back on Star Trek on TV. I don't care where, just get him on. Mm, could he be descendant of Shran, maybe? Absolutely he could. Yes! So that's my wild speculation for this week. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, Captains, that's really the end of the news this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. Fenton Mud has reared his profiteering head once again in Star Trek Online's Sea Store. From June 10th through June 24th, players who have about 150 US dollars burning a hole in their pockets can purchase the new Into Darkness and Beyond choice pack. Like previous Mud's choice packs, you can choose three out of eight options. Options that include ships, upgrade tokens, Sea Store coupons, or Master Key. But if you wanted to buy them all, well, Cryptic has added another purchase option. The Mega Into Darkness and Beyond Bundle. Bundle. That's right. For the eye-watering regular price of $600, you can purchase every one of the eight choices offered. But act fast. It's only $300 or 50% off until June 24th. Individual choices may vary. Each person's credit situation is unique, and priority one podcast makes no guarantee of happiness or guilt-free enjoyment. Possible side effects include DPS obsession, space barbie, lens flare, and negative bank balances. Talk to your bank teller or credit loan officer if you think Mud's market may be right for you. So, Kat, you bought the bundle, right? Yes. First off, what three options did you choose out of the eight, and why did you make that choice? Okay, well, I definitely did not need extra bits, so the mega bundle was not an option for me, but I chose the regular bundle. The options I picked were pretty much all Klingon. I got the D4X. I got the D7. Also, I got the 
Jellyfish, which is an account unlocked the Vulcan Scout vessel. I did not get the Vengeance because that is in the Lobby store, and I feel like that's more accessible, you know, normally as opposed to the, you know, promo ship bundles. So yeah, that's what I got. I felt like it was worth it because I got a D4X for my account. That's what I got. Yeah, I have no interest in any of this at all whatsoever. I I I I'm I'm kind of done with Star Trek Online, at least until new content's out. So what? I have a hard time, you know, finding any value in any of this. Now, now here's the thing, right? Is that some of these ships are available elsewhere, right? Some of these ships are available in the lobby store. Some of them are available in the sea store, whatever. Various ways uh, of getting them. I mean, promo ship bundles and lockbox ships, yes. That's how you get most of them. Except for the Vengeance, the Kelvin Intel Dreadnought, which is in the lobby store. So the Vengeance is in the lobby store. What else is not available for purchase like in the exchange or through one of the stores in the game? Well, you actually could get all of these ships via the exchange if you wanted it, but you wouldn't get the account unlock. Okay, but the and the one ship in this account unlock is the, the jellyfish, no? The the scout vessel? Or are they all end up being account unlock? They're all account unlock, including the jellyfish, if you bought the bundle. So, the other thing to consider is that they offer some of these other items, like nine tier six upgrades, sea store coupons, an, uh, an epic Phoenix prize token for the Phoenix items in that little sub-store. You can also opt to getting 50 master keys so i guess what i'm trying to figure out is 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 any combination of these worth it for 150 as opposed to waiting for like a zen sale or a lobby store sale or finding it on the exchange well that's the thing like the extra things i mean if you add up the value of all of those extra things it you know value wise for a pack it may make sense for some people but you can can purchase all of those things except for the epic phoenix prize token but right. open enough phoenix boxes you may get one so these are all available in other ways though i think the benefit of the bundle is the account unlock for all those ships you know that you wouldn't otherwise get so if that's worth it for you for me having a d4x on my whole account is amazing and that was worth 150 dollars for me right but not the 300 i'm not paying full price Right, right. Well, and that's and that's at the introductory rate kind of thing. Right, exactly. So, yeah, everything in there is is available, you know, other ways, but, you know, grouped all together. It is a value, I guess, if you wanted to buy all of that. But if, unless you really want, you know, all of that stuff, I get why you wouldn't buy it. Right. Uh, Duncan Idaho in the chat says, it's absolutely worth it. A single big ship from the exchange as an account unlock is about $100 for 150 you can get six ships as account unlocks. And look, if you know, if you have a lot of accounts, if you have, you know, more than two or three, then sure, I could see this being a, a deal for you. But like, you know, for me, that's not an incentive. I have pretty much one main Federation character and one main Klingon character. And most of the time I play on the Federation side. So yeah, I, for, this is not a bundle for me. This is not a, this is not something that I'm, I'm going to say, oh, you know what? Yes, I would like to give Cryptic $150 to then put into whatever development it would be coming down the pike for the game. But yeah. So Roscoe, you also got the bundle. And, you know, what I'm trying to identify is what's the best value out of this, right? You can get a lot of these things as independent 
independent items through various exchanges. But what did you find to be the value for you to purchase? Okay, so running through my selections, I chose the Kelvin Dreadnought, the Vengeance. I chose the two Kelvin 2-pack two with the Heavy Destroyer and the D7 Heavy Destroyer. And I chose 50 Master Keys. Now, for me, with some currency conversion rates, because 150 US dollars is equal to about 192 Australian dollars. So that always makes it a bit more challenging. For me, it was the Intel Dreadnought is such a great ship for any of my characters where I'm chasing DPS. Having that available across my whole account made sense. Um, the D7 and the Kelvin Heavy Destroyer, having both of those available seemed like fun because, and I chose that instead of the first Kelvin pack because I already had the legendary bundle so i have a t6 kelvin connie so i thought i'm gonna go make that make that my choice and then i chose 50 master keys because i thought well i'm going to get a lot of stuff that's going to equal if not exceed the 150 dollar value and i may just get another ship randomly out of that i i considered the tier 6 X upgrade tokens, but ended up going with the master keys instead. Wow, so you picked the keys out of that. That's surprising. Mm. I've got lo- a few extra Klingon recruits now, and I may have started another Delta agent. <laughs> so, having some fun gear and some, some new things, particularly in the new uh, 32nd century box, uh, is fun at the moment. So, And I could end up with another starship out of it. I'm, I'm rolling the dice a little bit but yeah that's all part of the fun Hmm, at the very least you'll be getting lobby right so you can purchase another lobby ship um yeah exactly right it sounds to me as though this this bundle is geared towards people with many characters that play a lot and switch between characters a lot Mm -hmm. but yeah i i have a hard time seeing any about for me a player that seldom switches off of that one federation character may not be may not be for me even for the the accoutrement right the the upgrade tokens the sea store ship coupons maybe if the option was two or three epic phoenix phoenix prize tokens i then i might think to myself okay maybe maybe this is worth it you know for for 150 dollars but yeah that's that's where I sit on it. And I didn't go for the sea store ship tokens because I know that I'm working towards getting that anyway with the event unlock over the course of the year. So I will get that by the end of the year once I work through uh, all of those events. I, or I will get a whole bunch of lobby. I haven't quite decided which way I'll go on that one. But So that's why I discounted that one. And the first Kelvin pack uh, with the, the Connie, the Bird of Prey and the Warbird, I don't really really like the look of that bird of prey so all the <gasps> um or the warbird oh mm, see yeah, that's don't where it. you're wrong though because the wings go up and down <laughs> on that d4x the d4x is like my favorite ship pretty mm-hmm. much i mean maybe my top two uh i love okay. that ship it's amazing i think god i love that <laughs> i love it that's why i oh, wanted the account okay. unlocked for that ship by itself well on that recommendation i'd give it a try well i think that leads us to our next community question question this week. What are your thoughts on this latest bundle? Did you purchase it? And if so, which options did you decide on? 
Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, Kat, do we have any news from the Armada? We do. As I mentioned, the last show we did, it's the Armada's eighth anniversary. So all during the month of June, we're giving away various prizes and have events for Armada members every Saturday. This Saturday is one of my favorite events, the costume contest. This year, prizes go out to the best 80s theme costume that you can come up with so uh yeah check if you're a member of the armada just go to your events tab in the fleet window and it will tell you what time that happens in your local time zone and also i'm doing the live stream this saturday and we have a new intro video which you definitely should watch because it's amazing so i'm really excited about that um so this month is a great time to join the priority one armada we are giving away more than five billion in ec and prizes during our anniversary so come hang out with us. Nice. And now moving on to other gaming news. Star Trek Fleet Command has dropped the second part of its Star Trek The Next Generation arc with Patch 31. Featured in the update are new stories and missions that lead you on rescue missions to find Worf or Picard. Who will you choose to save first? Well, the new update includes new officers, new ship projectiles, 15 new missions, and more. Also, if you're eager to learn about the team behind the game, you can track out their Meeting the Team blog featuring senior QA tester Alana. June 8th saw the release of a new season for the hugely popular battle royale shooter Fortnite. Why would Priority One care, you ask? Well, the new season, season seven of chapter two, sees the game's island invaded by aliens in flying saucers. And Fortnite has a well-earned reputation for pulling in characters from all over pop culture. For example, this season sees Rick Sanchez of Rick and Morty making an appearance alongside Superman. But the hot rumor in Trek circles is that Star Trek just might make an appearance on the island this season, which makes a great community question for our listeners this week. Are you hoping to see a Star Trek character in Fortnite? And if so, who would you most look forward to seeing? Now, here are a few gaming headlines that we didn't discuss, but might interest you. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. Well, it's time to head to Risa, break out your longboard, and get ready for some dance contests, because Star Trek Online announced that the summer event will start on July 1st this year. Expect some more announcements coming regarding the event ship and other new items that will be available in the event store. Saxon Props on Twitter shared a Krieger Wave pistol build based on the Star Trek Online model, including using some clay models for the accompanying stand. It's always great to see the hard work and designs of artists showcased in the real world. And this was commented on by concept artist over at Cryptic Studios, Hector Ortiz. Big news for ship artists this week with the announcement of selectable backgrounds on the PC ship builder. It means now you can green screen your favorite starship for art-based adventures. Remember, Captains, to learn more about these gaming headlines, be sure to review the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 512 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community questions for this week. Are you hoping to see Star Trek characters in Fortnite? Who would you most like to see? 
Also, what are your thoughts on the latest MUDS bundle in Star Trek Online? Did you purchase it? And if so, which options did you decide on? And lastly, what resolutions are you looking forward to see in Season 2 of Lower Decks or Star Trek Picard? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, and me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. To find out more and how you can support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash priority one. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, The Guard will take you inside the universe of your favourite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Alex and Lennon. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.